It's about cultivating somebody else's style that makes it their own. That is key. That's why you're asking the question like, are you really a stylist? Because what does that even mean? I did it in a way where it was like the very old fashioned way where of being a stylist, like assisting and doing this and doing that. But then it gives you like a full, your library of references and understanding trends is just so much deeper. My name is Jeremy Kirkland and this is Blamo. My guest this week is stylist Jasmine Benjamin. Jasmine and I talk about the hustle, her early beginnings working in the music business and with the legendary Shaka Khan. We chat through styling Anderson Pac and get all the hot takes from cowboys making clothes and her thoughts on vintage. Last but not least, is Vaughn Dutch back? Dive in with the vibes from the fit goddess herself. Let's go. We'll, we'll jump back a bit. You're, you're originally from Northern California? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. are your folks still in California? Uh, yes, my dad is a Californian forever till he ride or die Californian. Okay. He doesn't even travel anywhere. He just stays in California. His whole right, life. right. And my mom lives in um, Seattle. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And and how's that? Like, what was your life like growing up? Uh, well, in Cal- Northern California, it was like a for real, like an actual people like to use the word hippie where I'm like, but your parents are 50. I don't really know how they're hippies. No. My parents met in a commune in San Francisco in the 60s. Whoa, wait, 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 hold on. Are we talking yeah. like Hate Street, Deadhead yes. stuff? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Like <laughs> friends with Jefferson Airplane, friends with like Bob Dylan, friends like those. My parents were in it for real. <laughs> I know. Wait, okay. <laughs> yeah. Answer me this. Like when did you realize that was cool? Because I feel like when you're a little kid, and maybe this is just me. I don't think I like thought my parents were cool until I was way older. And then I'm looking back and I'm like, dang, like, I wish I would have. Why was I ashamed? You know, like, so yeah. when did you figure that out? Late 20s. I was like, okay. late 20s. I was like, okay. whoa, my mom is that woman. Wow. And my dad is that guy. And so many reasons why I'm the way that I am because they're so cool. But they were so cool always. So I was like, I'm going to be preppy. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. Wait. <laughs> so wait, what, was, what like, was that like? I'm like, oh, I'm going to be preppy. I'm going to be preppy. I'm going to wear Gap. I'm going to, why do my clothes always smell like incense? It's just <laughs> <laughs> the worst. Like my parents smoke weed. I'm not going to smoke weed. Like sure. it was just so no. I was like, I'm going to be straight laced. Yeah. And then you turn into them and you're like, why did I deny all that? I know. I feel like that's that's hit me more than ever recently into which I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm my dad. I'm doing all these things that my dad did. And but yeah, like when I was younger, I mean, I feel like every single person, no matter what their parents do, good or bad or whatever, they're like, I'm going, I'm going the other way. Mm-hmm. I'm going, you know, totally. That's, that's so gnarly. Totally. And my parents were, my mom, she had even more of a colorful life than my dad. Because again, my dad's from San Francisco. Right. Very proud of being San Francisco. My grandparents are from San Francisco, or my grandmother is. So he's just like, we're San Franciscans, like, till we die, you know? And then my mom is like, I'm from New Orleans. And she's like, I just traveled to San Francisco because that's where everyone was going in the 60s. It was like 1961. And she's like, and I knocked on the door of this commune. It was your dad who answered. And I was like, ooh, your dad was so hot. (laughs) 
And they and they live they lived in the commune for a long time, like six years, maybe six seven years. Um, and it makes so much sense. And there and I used to always be like, why is one of your best friends like twenty years younger? And it was just like, well, that's how it was in the commune. You were friends with twelve year olds. You were friend. It was just everyone was one. Right. Right. Yeah, and my mom's stories were just, my dad was just so enamored by my mom because she was like the coolest woman ever. Super cool, yeah. like cool style. Everybody liked her and she had stories like, you know, I she had like a, is it dating the right word? Maybe she had a tryst or a date. I don't want to say tryst. My mom's going to be mad about that. But a date <laughs> <laughs> with um, Jimi Hendrix. So my mom, my dad is like, super enamored by my mom because he's like such a music head and would go to all the shows at the Fillmore and in the park in San Francisco then. So all the rockers, you know, like the Rolling Stones, he'd be there at the shows as a young kid and collect the po- those posters. You know those posters that are yeah. crazy? He has like 30 of them. Perfect condition. That, that's got to be worth like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Then. And he won't even <laughs> let me have them in my house. He won't. He just ha- has them in a trunk. They're his, those are his glory years. He won't let me have that. He doesn't okay. give me his clothes. Those are his glory years. But yeah, they, they really did that. And then they told me that, because um, I was like, well, why didn't I, Why am I not from San Francisco? You know, more interesting than the this little town I'm from. And they're like, well, San Francisco got crazy in the 70s. Like, because everybody in the whole country and the world wanted to live there because it was the yeah. place to be. And she's like, people were doing acid and acid got really bad. It wasn't good anymore. And people started being really crazy and it just wasn't a place for kids. So we moved you to the country. We and where, country. where was the country? It's rural. It's just like, it's called Lake County, um, okay. which is by Ukiah and Mendocino. That's where all the weeds grown yeah, around yeah. there. Um, and it's just like, I don't know, like 20,000 people, maybe, maybe. No, 20,000 is a lot. Maybe. I don't know, though. Might be less. 20,000 is, is it? I don't know. Is it a lot? Uh, well, okay. Here's a barometer, <laughs> if you if you wouldn't mind sharing. How many people were in your, like, high school graduating class? Okay, well, I gra- that's the thing. I moved to Seattle for my uh, junior high and high school. So oh, okay. there, I mean, my elementary, I don't know, but it wasn't a lot. It had to be, like... 20 people, 30, not a lot of people. Yeah. So then you have your, your sort of like teenage years in Seattle. Mm-hmm. What was, what was going on up there? That's a pretty big transplant from, from rural California to Seattle. I know. And I kind of, man, when I was so happy when I was super young in the country, we had a garden and chickens and everyone was barefoot all the time. And- <laughs> It was just better. It was just better when I was little. My mom, they're, everyone's, they're just smoking weed. And it just was, it was the life. It was the life. But then what, what did your just, folks uh, do? Well, my parent, my dad is an antique furniture finisher. <laughs> I know. Who has wow. that job anymore? I know. Because he was, uh, when he was younger, he was an iron sculptor. But, and he was apparently incredible. Apparently incredible. I believe this though. And my mom was like, but your dad, then we had your brother. I, cause my dad was young. I think he was like 21. My mom was like 27. Okay. Yeah. Commune ages are just, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Cause they're like, our best friend was 12. And I'm like, wait, what? It's just, so she, um, he was like, I have to get a job and take care of the family. Cause these are, even though they're hippies, I mean, if I, I can imagine if you grew up in the 50s, 
your yeah. whole level of responsibility in the adulting is much younger than how mm-hmm. our generation is. So yeah. he's like, I have to get a job. So he just taught himself to be an antique furniture refinisher. As one does. <laughs> yeah, from books and studying <laughs> and started doing it and really liked it. And he's had that business for 40 plus years. I'm not even kidding. God bless It's put him. me through college. Yeah. Yeah, he loves it. He loves his art. His like, it's craft, a craftsman type of job. He loves it. Oh, it's wow. His business. Yeah, it's his business. And one more thing about this, uh, like, country living. The house that we lived in was this <laughs> crazy house. It was like a, from the, it looks straight out of a real Western ghost town house. It's from, it was like building like 1850 something. So the front of the house was probably either a grocery store or a diner. And the rest, oh, okay. the back of the house was the house where you lived. Oh, all right. So the front literally looks like uh, it's square and it looks like some old timey straight out of like a Western. Was it being used as that though? Um, for that, yes, it was. At some point it was, it was a diner and another point okay. was a grocery store. The front, just the front. Right. which is the business part. Then you walk through a door and the rest of that rest of the house is a house. And the, the other side of the house is on the other block. That makes sense. It's like in the middle of this block, like one block, one street is here, this highway. And the other one is a different street. Okay. Right in the middle. Cause my dad, like, you know, loves, I guess he loves the Western and that aesthetic. So that's where his business is. And he wow. just loves that building. <laughs> it's really, Yeah. And then what what was your mom mm-hmm. doing? My mom's a preschool teacher. There you go. Yeah. So salt yeah. to the earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, totally. So um that was fine there. And then moving to Seattle, my parents split up and my mom moved to Seattle with her sister, where her sisters lived, and that was like a culture shock. I mean, that could have been New York like New York to me. Yeah. It was like the city and cousins and you know, way different. All these different kids and school and city buses. It was way different. Because <laughs> you you were probably up there like maybe little post-grunge movement, I guess. Oh, yeah. And it was – I'm so glad about that because I had a brother. I have a brother who's 10 years older and he's really cool. Like he's okay. a cool guy. That's awesome Everybody, that you're, you're into your brother. Oh, so he's the coolest. I don't even know. I feel like that's probably why I'm a men's stylist, a part of the reason. The coolest style. Coolest okay. style. And he was very much into that post, like post grunge movement. Mm-hmm. And so, and and like the hip, there was like a really strong hip hop scene up there for a little bit in that time. I got that last moment. I feel of it, um, and I just want to do everything that he did. So I was just like, "You're listening to Stone Temple Pilots. I'm listening to Stone Temple Pilots." You know, <laughs> made fun of my cousins, <laughs> but nice. I'm like, no, I'm like, no, this is cool. My brother listens to it. It is cool. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was there was so much. My, I had a cousin who was he had turned me on. I remember he made me this tape, and he was like, "This tape is going to change your life." And I was like, "Really? <laughs> what is it?" And it was the Blue album by Weezer, and oh, it fucking wow. blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was like, "Wow!" I was like, yeah. "Who is Jonas?" I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was also exactly, and I'm like thinking like, "This is so cool," and I'm probably how old was I like? Nine or ten listening to Stone Temple Pilots, like this girl. It's good taste. It's, yeah, that's a hard rock. That's a hardcore, like, out. It's not just light music. <laughs> so, but then you find yourself 
working in the music industry, right? Because before you were a stylist, you were you were deep in the industry. How how did that? How did you get there? Well, I was. I know it makes sense. So when I think about my brother and my parents and their musical tastes and just oh, yeah. their music, they're just so into music and they were not into pop music. Right. Um, so yeah, they're very, they're like, you know, cause original hipsters. So they're like anti every, my dad can go on and on about how some band is whack. Cause he like hates the Eagles, you know? Oh, like, he does have good taste. He's like, they have no groove. They have no soul. The Eagles Real heads whack. don't like the Eagles. No. <laughs> He's over here trying to get me tickets for him to go come down and see uh, um, Steely Dan and uh, is it Stevie Winwood at the uh, the Hollywood Bowl? Well, it's half Steely Dan now. It's just going to be Dan or I know. Steely. <laughs> I saw I saw them before he passed, but yeah, yeah, he's trying anyway. So, and my mother's the same. So, and so is my brother. So they're all like, so it makes sense that I am in in music. Sure. Um, actually one other thing, my dad, my brother one time bought me for Christmas MC Hammer too legit to quit mm. as a joke. Cause he knew I'd be so mad. I was so mad. Cause I'm like, you know, this is not cool. And you're buying this thinking that like, I like this level of music. Oh, wow. What a subtle put down. <laughs> Here you go. Take yeah. Like a tape. gag gift. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't I'm, like this. I'm like, I want like the Redman album. Why are you doing this? This is mean. You're going to make fun of me. But yeah. Anyway, so working in music, I, uh, yeah, I, well, I was an intern at, um, I was an intern in the music industry first at um, Interscope Records here okay. in LA. I went to fashion school here and I was like, like, there's got to be more. It's because it's not a like no dis on Fitum. I I learned a lot, but it's not like Parsons or FIT where there's all these like really cool people. It's different. It was different here. It's a what lot school of, is like, it? The Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. Okay. In Los Angeles, which is the fashion school here on the yep. West Coast. It's just it's not it's not like FIT or Parsons though. So. I just was like, where, like, there's got to be something more. I got this internship at Interscope Records at the time when it was like Eminem, 50 Cent, No Doubt. Um, so Jimmy was there at the time, right? Jimmy was there. We would yeah. have meetings in Jimmy's office. The interns would. He would play us new music. Um, you know, No Doubt, Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, like all of that. N-E-R-D. It was a really, it was a golden era for sure mm-hmm. then. Um, and I was interning, but I didn't even realize when I was interning, I was interning for this major boss in the music industry, this woman, this executive. Um, her name was Ashley Fox and she was just this amazing woman. And she would come in every day in like baggy men's like hip hop clothes and diamond earrings. I remember that. And I'd be like, who it like, this is who I I inter- I'm just afraid of her. She ha- like I'm. I was so afraid of her. I could barely answer the phones. I was so afraid I was gonna mess up all the time, and I was afraid of her assistant. Um, and just I would just go and what was I doing? Like getting her iced tea, you know, making copies. But that during that time, being an intern was a big deal because people were competitive. They were trying to get in there. Like it was. I don't even know how internships are now, but back then it was serious. Well, so, I feel like right now it's because I, I worked at the beggars mm, group um, mm. and we had a bunch of interns there and it was there was different levels of it because initially it was interns and you were kind of unpaid, but you got to do everything. And it was kind of 
I don't know if this is good or bad, so I'm not commenting on that. But like, it was kind of like survival of the fittest. You work as hard as you can, and then you'll get something. And there was a lot of people that were at Beggars that had started as interns and had worked their way into like pretty great roles. And Mm -hmm. but then it turned into um, they like they had to start paying them, which was fine. But um, because of that, I felt like. Like there wasn't a drive with some of yeah. these interns to do it. And, you know, and so people just showed up and did it. And I remember because at least, I mean, I'm sure this was at the case with Interscope. If you were, if you were there, like you were all involved. Like it wasn't like, oh, you stay here. You're, you're the intern. You, you can't speak unless spoken to. Like you were, you're in those meetings. You know, you get to listen, you get to hear, you get to participate in that, which I think is really mm-hmm. empowering. But, it is. Yeah. Uh, you had to prove yourself though to get to that level to True. participate. You True. still have to prove it. So I was just like nervous for months because I was like, I'm not doing anything right. I don't even know how to answer these huge phones. Okay. Like I'm lost. <laughs> and the artists are coming in the office and I'm like nervous and trying to be cool, but trying to be professional, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And it was very doggy dog. Like assistants aren't teaching you how to be good intern because they True. don't want you to take their job. Yeah. So you're just on an island and... Uh, the woman I was working for was the vice president of urban music at Interscope at the time. Okay. Uh, and she just, I don't know, just finally one day I just decided to speak up. I was so nervous all the time coming in there. And she's like, I'm handing over this, um, these photos, uh, this photo shoot. I'm handing them over. Back then they were printed out. Mm-hmm. Had to hand deliver, mm-hmm. hand deliver to her. And she, and I'm just, she's on the phone and I'm like, ah, oh. I just remember looking at those photos and being like, these photos are terrible. Like, I don't even have a car. I'm taking the bus to get here. Somebody styled this. And I'm just poor in, in college. It's not fair. And I'm feeling this way. And I just was like, these photos are not good. And she was like, wait, what did you say? I'm like, nothing. Nothing, nothing. nothing. She's like, no, what did you say? I'm like, these photos are not good. And I take the bus. And she was like, oh, is that how you feel? She speaks now. So she's like, why don't you write on some post-it notes how you feel, like your opinions on these photos and send it, return it to me tomorrow morning. And I was like, okay. And I did. And then she was like, she told me to come in her office the next day. And she's like, come in here. And I'm like, um, yeah, am I in trouble? You know, am I fired? She's like, no, these were, you were on point. So I'm going to have you sit in some meetings. There you go. So then I was sitting in, yeah, I was sitting in meetings. <laughs> I'm like, now I'm here and I'm learning all this. And she would ask my opinion. It Some people would be so mad because it'd be like this intern. But and then she flew me out. She um she wanted me to help her develop this artist at the time. I don't even know if Olivia was on Candy Shop 50 Cent song yet, but maybe she I don't remember. Oh, but damn. she's like, she's like, why don't you tell me what to do with this girl? Like p- put a presentation together. Fidim did teach me how to put presentations and mood boards together, I will say. But that's when you had to cut them out from the yeah, magazines. Yeah, yeah. So I worked on this and she was like, you, this is so good. I want you to pick up hair, makeup, and glam. And I'm like, okay, at this point, I have never been on a photo shoot. I never styled anything. I do it. She flies me to, no, she told me I can come to New York, but I have mm-hmm. to get a plane ticket. But she would get me a room. I f- went to New York. The photo shoot was with Jonathan Mannion. And I'm just there on the shoot watching everyone terrified 
I did not talk the whole time. And the artist was like so nice, but she was like, are you a mute? You're not even, I was just so nervous. I remember it was a day between me being in New York and the shoot. And I took a train to go to Philly to watch some tribe called quest perform at the electric factory in Philly, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, but that, was after that, Ashley was just like, this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. You are so talented. You could be the next, like, Andrea Lieberman. You have a real eye. You need to do this. And I was like, okay. Oh, so, damn. Yeah. So how did you, I mean, what eventually put you off on your own? Uh, well, those internships, you need to call it, they have to, you have to be doing them, like, Basically, you have to be in school, mm-hmm. so you have to get some kind of college credit. And my school, it was over, and I remember like I was done with school, and I'm like, I'm now taking a community college class to keep this internship. Like, what am I doing? Oh, right, right. And I was like, Am I going to really work in like an ex- in an executive position in the music industry? Like, that's not really what I wanted to do anymore. So I was um, working at retail stores. I worked at um, Kitson. When Kitson was the store in the early 2000s. By yeah. I we would close Kitson. it down. Yeah. We would close it down for Paris and Britney Spears and the rope would be outside. And oh, hell yeah. I was there then. I was selling all that tacky stuff. The Ed Hardy, Von Dutch, <laughs> Tinkerbell, Cashmere. I was selling all of that. To okay. them. Yeah, I want to sidebar for one second. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are Von Dutch hats cool again? They are. They Damn are. it! It's a resurgence, right? <laughs> okay. It's a. It's so funny too because I feel like when Von Dutch, Chrome Hearts, mm-hmm. and Ed Hardy was out, they were very LA specific, and yes. New Yorkers were not were not do, doing that. They were yeah. not feeling that. Yeah. Now all the East Coast people. That's what they, they're like. So into Chrome Hearts. And I I'm feel like, like that's Chrome Hearts was a joke that was said so many times people didn't know if it was a joke anymore and now people just like it like no shots of chrome hearts but like i don't get it like i respect people that like that's their vibe fine but like that's not my vibe and i can't pretend that that's it i mean i saw that like chrome hearts announced a drake bentley i'm like all right okay drive on but i know I know. I mean, I really, I, I understand it because it's just so classic Los Angeles lifestyle mm, okay. with that type of uh, scene, which is like old rockers. Yeah. Like there's always going to be a store for old rockers in LA. Always. That's LA. Maxfield. That's like Los Angeles. Like, that's right. It's And I don't want that to die because I think it's such an, a part of, like, Los Angeles. Like, where does Rod Stewart shop after, you know, he needs a place? When John Varvatos is closed, where do you go? Yeah, where do you go? Where's Steven Tyler getting his jeans? Heard that. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> you know, those guys matter. They, they contribute do. contribute to the economy here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I understand it, but it's just, it is funny that a lot of those like early 2000s kind of like tacky things that I thought were tacky, even though I was selling them, are now amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, so funny. But working, I, I was working at that store during that time and then I met stylists and right. um, assisted them and all of that. Um and I also used to intern, I mean, as I was assisting interning on music videos. There so, you go. Like Chris, so, Chris Robinson and... Mm-hmm. Oh, so you got like the very, I think in the best way, like a very sort of traditional, like slow climb 
where you get to see all that. Because I feel like, and this is the stuff now where I'll meet someone or whatever. They're like, oh, I'm a stylist. And I'm like, okay, but like, are you? Or do you just like put that on your bio? Like you can't, you got to actually know how to, how to dress people, how to, you know, make someone feel more like themselves. And I think the thing that I learned is like, so I was a stylist for a bit for a few different actors and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I realized that I was really good at dressing myself and a good stylist knows how to dress themselves. Sure. But also the other person and they're, it's not going to be identical. I I can't, I was making like five Jeremy's walking around when really you needed this person and this actor and this person and them to feel more empowered in who they are to be better. Yes. Versus, well, I'm just going to wear what Jeremy has in his closet. Nope. No. (laughs) No. And like a lot of the big stylists, you notice they don't, they're not really, it's not that they can't dress. They just have a very simple wardrobe because Mm -hmm. it's not really about me and my style, right? It's about the artist and, and you can kind of get sucked into it, too, where you're just like, like, I think I told a friend last week I was wearing when I was getting back, we were getting vaccinated together. And I'm like, I don't even know what my style is right now, just because I'm so like engulfed in other people's worlds oh, right. where I'm like, what do I like? That's a good question for me <laughs> like That's right not, now. I mean, you. I feel like you have a, a very like somewhat laissez-faire like. I don't know if bohemian's even a mm-hmm. a PC eclectic. term. Yeah, eclectic mm-hmm. sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. Like, it's in there. You got very it's good in style. There. <laughs> Thank you. But just sometimes, like, I'll just blow my own mind where I'm like, yeah, what am I wearing today? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it gets, you just get, I, I love that you said that because that's really important. You just said something really important. It's about cultivating somebody else's style that makes it seem, that makes it their own. Yeah. That is key. And I feel like that is a correct a way to look at it. And that's why you're asking the question, like, are you really a stylist? Because what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. And also, I feel like it's important. I did it in a way where it was like the very old fashioned way where of being a stylist, like assisting and doing this and doing that. But then it gives you like a full your library of references and understanding trends is just so much deeper, mm. which I think is very important to be a good stylist. Yeah, agreed. And so when when did you start working like now you're on your own? Um, I got a job. Well, I thought that I, w- I thought I think I was in my 20s. I thought that I needed an agent. Hilarious. OK, I'm like, and, cool. OK, so somehow I kind of had one kind of I was like a the baby, like junior person on there because I was like, who was I styling? I was styling some like indie groups in um, Los Angeles and um this woman was like, you're not ready mature, maturity, mature wise. You're not ready. So I'm going to get you, <laughs> I know <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you this job. Uh, you know, like Shaka Khan needs a personal assistant Whoa. and a wardrobe and a wardrobe liaison. So I'm going to like, you need to go interview with her today. And I was like, okay. I mean, I think my car broke. Cause I had an old, like I said, I had a 78 Mercedes that my grandmother gave me. And it's like, Driving that around in LA, it's only going to last so long. Sure. That died. And then I was like, <laughs> that totally died. But I, a friend of mine gave me his car for the day. And then I went to go interview her. And she just like liked me because she was like, you're not afraid of me like at all. Yo, she, I, I would be. It's Shaka Khan. I can I barely know. say her name without freaking out. 
<laughs> I know. I know. And I was like, what? yeah, I'm not afraid of you. Like, she's like, no, I love it. So then she like took me on and I like worked with her for a year and a half. That got me into the business because it taught me about working with a celebrity of that level so closely, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't her stylist, but it's just, it's very intimate what you're doing, what you're doing and um, learning celebrity camps mm. and how those work because that's another large part of my job. Okay. Um, and traveling around the world with her and just knowing packing and doing, it's just like, I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and we went to New York because she was doing a play, the color purple play at the time. She was taking Oprah's spot as Harpo, I think that's what it was. Yeah. And so I just moved to New York with her and then I ended up not working with her anymore and just wanted to stay there. So I just stayed and worked in retail again. It's just funny. I'm like, man, I should have worked in, sometimes I think like, man, should I have worked in media when I was there? I just wasn't thinking that way at all. I don't know. I yeah. feel like at least working in in retail, there's a certain it's a certain thing that you learn that I don't think you'll learn anywhere else because it's like it's a level of patience, one, especially if you work in retail in like a very big city like New York because you have just such a range of people and demographics and wealth and and all that. And so you're like mm-hmm. having to kind of it's it's almost like a psychology course. You get that and you're like trying to do customer service. I mean, I worked at the Apple store in like <gasps> 2005 in Where? Soho. In Soho. <gasps> oh my gosh. Yeah, man. Shit was gnarly. And it was nuts because I remember people would come in and, you know, like I like I got to work as wow. a stylist for a bit and got to meet tons of, of like cool celebrities when I was like an actual stylist. But I never got starstruck until – David Bowie fucking walks in <gasps> the Soho Apple store and is asking about his iPod not working. I'm like, that's David Bowie. I'm like, that's Stop the guy it. from Yeah. I was like, I was like, it's a dude from Labyrinth. And my friend's I like, yo, that's <laughs> yeah. I would and die. So there's like all that that you have that there, and then you have like some ring ding rich guy who's yeah. just being a goofball, right? But David it, Bowie. It, I know, right? That's blowing my mind. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> my well, mind so is blown. David Bowie would come in. <laughs> Seal would come in. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yes, Whirlpool. Uh huh. Well, you know what the what hap- what ended up happening at Kitson is, which is mind blowing and amazing. The owner Fraser, who was terrifyingly scary to his employees, if you messed up there. Okay. I never messed up, but at the end of the night, when we had to refold the entire store, he would be yelling at us what we did wrong i got yelled at once for leaving the jewelry case open too long and i was like yeah but you know who was around it it was the ross kids like they don't need they're not gonna steal your little like low-key diamonds like (laughs) you know relax i think i might have said something like that then he got respect for me but he ended up what ended up happening years later is a news article came out he owned the paparazzi that would take the photos of the people in front of the store. So he'd be making money twice. Oh, that's, that's not genius, cool. but that's, genius. Yeah, because genius. now a lot of celebrities do that, by the way, a really? lot of celebrities broker deals with paparazzi. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my God. He started that. He's a genius. Wow. That's why every, you would see, that's why that store got so huge. So wait, is, do people actually, <laughs> and you don't have to comment on this or not, but yeah. like, do people that like aren't huge hire paparazzi to follow them around to look huge? Or is that a whole um, other game? 
I don't really know too much. I can't even speak on that because I don't know too much about it. But sure. I do know of there are celebrities who are. I mean, they're calling the they're calling the pops to come and take photos of them where they're at. But That's you trash. have to be at a certain level so they can sell those photos for a certain amount of money. You know, right, or right, it's not right. worth it. Oh yeah, they're they're controlling it. But I feel like that is freight. That's because of the owner and Kitson. Like he's a genius. Wow. That's so smart. And he was besties with the editor of Us back then. So they'd always be conspiring together, those two. This all came out in an article. I don't think I'm no, telling yeah, a secret. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. But yeah. 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 But yeah. But when when I moved to New York, I worked at opening ceremony in 2008. There you go. All right. So I was there. I mean, I was, we might have crossed paths at one point. That's That was the store. It was. I mean, yeah. Humberto and Carol and yeah, the I mean, they were, yeah. That Humberto's was... the best. That's They're cool. the best. Yeah. Yeah. I worked there. I worked there on the weekends only, um, uh, do, running the register. Mm-hmm. Um, and Umberto worked the register with me a lot, a lot. And I, and, and that's actually when Carol and Umberto were still interviewing people. First, you had to interview with the manager. And then the second interview was with them. And if they liked you, you got hired. And they were, you got to, if you really were paying attention, you learned a lot from how they did business because like back, you know, they revolutionized retail. They were doing collaborations before people were doing collaborations. Yeah. I feel like that's an Umberto Carroll creation for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, now it's like the norm into which a store, you know, a high-end store does collaborations with a brand. Because I feel like back mm-hmm. then brands wouldn't acknowledge stores. <laughs> you no. wouldn't want to put the store's name on your name. You're like... My name's Gucci. <laughs> exactly. But now I know, but I remember that big, the, I think it was uh, the Pendleton one. Oh, and no. after that, and that was o- opening ceremony. After that, everybody else started doing, I remember that. Damn. I was like, whoa, legends. It's true. I know. Legend. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> so you're at opening ceremony. Yeah. You're free from Shaka Khan. Free, but stressed because it's New York. Yeah. And then, then how are you building yourself up? Well, I felt like I started. I started all over in New York because, yeah, okay, you're styling in L.A. What does that even mean? Yeah, Especially well, back then, it means about the same as it does in New York. I'll be honest. <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah, but New York is just a whole different level of. Maybe you're not. Maybe I'm a little bit more relaxed and laid back from hmm. California, so I'm not thinking like the. Comp- I'm competing with everybody and the survival of the fit. I'm not doing all that. I'm really not. And then yeah. it's like, but everybody else is around you. So, like, you got to lock into something, you know? Um, I worked at the store, and then I, and then I was doing e-commerce for Ralph Lauren uh, during the week. All right. Way, you know, down over there, the pier or whatever. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's about seven and a half miles away from the furthest train. What a shit show. <laughs> shit show. In the snow? Yeah. In the winter? That, But that's like, where oh. everyone moved. I remember Tom Brown moved over there, and Michael Bastion moved over there, and every single, like, person at the time they were because it was cheap and it was you know still on the west side horrible <laughs> you had to walk there and they're like oh you can just call like everyone at ralph lauren you know they're like you can just call a cab i'm like girl you are living on a trust fund i'm not doing all that you know like because ralph lauren people are very specific kind of people that work there so uh, i'm like yes. you're calling a cab okay cool i'm i can't really afford that 15 bucks every yeah. day oh my gosh but yeah so working there um how did i just for a friend, a lot of my music friends here, because um, I was a lot in the underground scenes in Los Angeles, which were amazing and thriving. I made the same type of friends in New York because mm-hmm. like they were kind of connected. So um, 
I I met or I I reconnected with some people and then I knew an artist who started becoming getting big at the time, Miguel. He started getting big. But I'm like, um, okay, yeah, he started blowing up. And I just remember thinking, wow, this guy, I knew him when he was in LA, when he was a baby, when he was like 18. And I'm like, those vo- that voice is heaven. And I just was like, that style is just not right, though. And I just, it's just not right. And I just kept thinking that, like, wow, he's so, like, such a great looking guy. That style is just not translating. Um, and I'm using his, uh, then someone in his band who was a friend of mine who I used to style in, when in LA, like a little, in, when they were indie band, he was like, you know, he needs a new stylist. And I thought like, maybe you should meet him. And I remember I would run into him all the time. This artist, I would never pitch. I would never ask. I would never say anything. And I just remember when that moment happened, I went home in a, to my apartment in Brooklyn and I was like sitting down. I remember this. My heart was beating super fast. And I was like, I think this is that like defining moment in your life. Like you have to take this and just try because you always wanted to work with an artist who needed a rebrand. Like I always wanted to do that. And that's how I wanted to start my um, business. And so I was like, OK, I'm going to have that meeting. I didn't have that meeting until way down the line, like six months down the line, but we clicked. And then from there, I just started working with him. And I remember it was like my first big job, uh, first big client. He's working on his second album, Kaleidoscope Dream. Um, I look very young for my age. Back then I looked super young, which is a gift and a curse. And in business, it's really hard because you're already a woman. And then two, you're looking like a little girl. So people are not taking you as seriously as maybe you are trying to present yourself um, because you just have young energy. And I remember his manager being like, listen, he keeps hiring his friends to come and do these photo shoots (laughs) and he's showing up with no clothes. And I have to take care of my artist and I have to make sure that he's all right. So we're going to I'm going to let you do the shoot. It was an I got my first gig with him was an album shoot. That's how crazy. Oh, that's what's his album shoot. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, you just got to do it. And, you know, you know, as a stylist, it's all about your connections and resources and blah, blah, blah. And so it's like, you got to really hustle. And it's not like you're just going to call Dior and be like, it's my first time styling. Can I get these? (laughs) You know, it's like, it's hard. It's hard. So um, she was like, I'm going to have another stylist do this with you. And I was like, I understand. And I remember going home and be like, okay, because I was definitely annoyed. But my ego, I was like, ego, don't even, don't get mad because I, you have to understand this is business. She's taking care of her artist. That does not mean you can't like beat this person out. Yeah. And I remember coming to the shoot, and I had two racks of clothes, solid racks though, edited perfectly. The other stylist came with like several very intimidating racks I'm talking about. Every pull you can think of, Versace, this, that, that. And 80% of the shoot were my clothes because mm. I just was dialed in. I knew exactly what it needed to be. And then from then on, I was a stylist. And I, she was like, you did a... And, and you know what else? The other, Another intimidating factor about this was it was at the label. And when you have to do... Not anymore, but back in the younger days, my younger styling days, when you have to do a, a fitting at the label, it's a lot. Yeah. It's everyone chiming in. The president, the this, the that. And are, what are you going to do? Especially when you're some little baby stylist. Right. You're like, ah, yeah, crying. 
<laughs> yeah, and that that's tough too because like I I remember I worked on a commercial once and um there was another like I worked with one person and then there was another person and they had their stylist and to be honest like what they brought and what I brought like mine was very simple it's like a blue Oxford you know and I would put tape um. I remember the person that was helping me was like, some people are just going to pick like the highest brand name or like like the most expensive thing. And so they said, take some tape and cover up all the labels. And they're going to choose what's best for them and not what, because people be like, well, where is the Balmain? <laughs> like, where is the, yeah. like this? And, you know, and I'm like, you just wore like Brooks Brothers, bro. Like, that's just a great blue Oxford. And you didn't know yeah. because we put tape over everything. And Ooh. right, yeah. There's your little. Yeah, that's a tricky. I can never. My hottest would be like, what? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing too, because I, <laughs> I, I was like, well, this person. Okay, I guess I should listen. You know, and <laughs> that's a trick. I like it. Uh huh. But it it helped because at the time they were like, what they ended up wearing was very basic, like very chill, and it was it. They were wearing the clothes. The clothes weren't wearing them, and the yes. other person's stylist was like. What is that? And even the director was like, "This, these clothes, like, did they just come from like uh, an orgy in the jungle? They were like, what is this? They're like, this, this wardrobe is not okay. And the, the guy was like, I think it's cool. And he's like, it's not. Change. Wow. Not an orgy from the jungle. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's pretty, uh, it's pretty cutthroat there. Yeah. Champagne Hill, in all honesty, after Adam told me about that, because I feel like I kind of missed it because it was a YouTube show. Yes, I've rewatched that did. series like five or six times. And the clothes so in that are fucking perfect. <laughs> He's wearing the big Balenciaga shoes and all this. I was like, oh my God, this is so far. <laughs> I I was like, I was just like, it was so fun because a lot of those trends were so trend yeah. that to, for me and my clients, they were almost too trend. So yeah. I was like, I'm not going to necessarily use these for my clients, but like, I wish I could really get into those brands. And so when that opportunity came, I was like, we're just going to go there. We're going to just make you guys exactly on the nose that and freeze it in time. And it's going to be so amazing. And Adam and Sam really wanted that too. And so did... um uh, the Libman brothers, they really want the creators of the show uh, and they really wanted and cast. They really wanted um, that to happen. So it was like, we're going to put you in all off white. Like, <laughs> so good. we're just going to be. And it's so it was so funny because there were so many crazy things going on during that time, too. Like it was uh, all the moments where the beginning moments of Kanye having all those really unfortunate breakdowns. Oh, geez. It was like all these things in the news that were happening. Oh yeah. And so it was like, okay, what, what moments are we going to have, you know, Adam and, you know, Yeezy and what moments are we going to have? And what, why does this make sense for the story of what his character is going through? Oh, geez. And same with Sam. So we were doing that kind of too. Like trying to play on it, not make fun of it, of course, because it's very serious. Mental health is very serious, yeah. but just make it make sense in the story and what was happening with the characters. It was the best show. It was the best. The show was crazy because there would all, be all of these like back in time moments and montages and, you know, in the future. So there'd be so many changes. Right. But these were just not like, you know, your regular sweats. It would be like, <laughs> 
<laughs> they true. were like, we want to know, we want to look like, we wanted them to look like, like they would wear it and then we would see a rapper wear it after, which happens a lot. So Oh, much. that's so good. That's so good. And they good. were like, yes. Actually, to be honest, I felt when I came into the show, um, I felt like, okay, like what is this experience going to be like, you know? Was this your first set. show? Yes, I worked in film before, and I, I, I eventually always wanted to end up in TV and film at some right. point. So I was like, what is this wacky email? Like, it was an email. <laughs> and I'm like, so vague. They couldn't really give me details. And I was right. just like, YouTube, like, what? And I was like, I told my manager, I'm like, just see what's going on. Like, whatever. Right. And I remember getting a call, and I was, she's like, no, this is a big deal. And I'm like, wait, what? How did they find me? I was just like, wow. What, so, how did they find you? What did they say? I still don't understand how they found <laughs> me. <laughs> I don't know. That's fine. I still don't know. There you I go. I still don't know. I think it was just destiny. It really was. Cause, and they were like, do you mind flying back and forth from Atlanta to Los Angeles and shopping and like styling the leads for the show? And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And um, I remember... Um, when we would have these really high hype items, you know, they go and they come and they go. A lot of the streetwear brands, a lot of them, I'm friends with the designers. I already mm-hmm. know them. So that was really great because I was able to have access to things before they came out sometimes or when things sold out. Right. So that was really great. Um, and other than that, it was a lot of like making sure you were on all the timers for all those high hype moments to buy them before they sold out. Wait, wait, wait. Like, so you're like... Like staying up to like for the Supreme drop or whatever yeah. to get your shit. Oh my I'm God. like doing that because it was like, that's what the show was about. And I sure. Wanted, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm just doing that. Oh my also, God. That's amazing. The first week I come down there, we have like, we have, uh, oh, Adam and Sam wanted to go shopping with me and the other, the costume, the other costume designer, and they wanted to film it. And we're like, okay. So I'm a little nervous because I don't know Adam and Sam that well. And I'm sometimes I'm like, oh no, are they going to take over? Are they going to have bad taste? I don't know what. We don't sure. know each other. Fair. Yeah, yeah. Very you know fair. that happens with stylists too. So we have to like try yeah. to convince. Um, and so they were awesome. There was no problems. And then I remember the moment that I got my respect from Adam and Sam. And it was, it really was destiny. It just so happened that this day, um, uh, Bari, um, ASAP Bari, he had a, uh, pop-up, a V-loan pop-up in Atlanta. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I know him. So I reached out like, yo, can we get into this pop-up? And we roll up to the, and so I'm like, you know what we're going to do after lunch guys? And they're like, oh, what? I'm like, we're going to go to the pop-up for V-loan. And they were like, oh really? Wait, you know him? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of know him. So we show up to this pop-up Hell a yeah. massive line and we just walk up to the front and we get in and then they're hanging. They're looking, they're looking at like it, like Bari, like a God. This is more of my normal life with working in music, especially with guys. So I'm just like, okay. But they're just like, yes, I'm sure they're getting their character study going. Yeah. Everything. everything. And so we, we buy all these items in cash because they only accept cash. We buy all these items, we leave. And I think at that point, Adam and Sam were like, she's the real deal. Like, there not you that go. they weren't thinking that before, but definitely then. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah, it was great. It was great. 
Yeah. I love that show. It's, I love that show. It's a, the the like rewatchability of it is also incredible. There, I forget the episode number, but there's one where it's basically a single shot. It's like the breakdown in the apartment, and the whole thing <laughs> is a single shot, and it's 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 incredible. It's it's like even if it's like not your vibe, like cinematically. Whatever. I mean, I know Pally's going to hear this, so I'm mm-hmm. laying it on thick. It's good. <laughs> it was just great. I know. And, and it was just a great... Also, it was great because we would have moments where the, the studio, when you do it like a TV show, it's way more people you have to report to than when you just style an artist. Because an mm-hmm. artist, eventually, when they're big enough, they're just like... No one else is going to say what I'm going to wear. I'm going to wear what I'm going to wear. And that's it. Right. But with the TV show or film, it's like studio heads. And then it's it's so many people that have to approve. So every day when you, you send in the fitting looks for the scenes, everyone has a comment. And these boardrooms, I'm sure they're like, what the hell are these clothes? Because <laughs> this is not like now where it's way more mainstream, right? Streetwear is like so maxed out to the mainstream now. Yeah. But then it wasn't so much. So they're like, what a do-rag? Like, what is that? Like, they're just like, what? And the the the, the Lemon Brothers, who were wonderful, were like, we're just going to do our own thing and we trust you. And I was like, wait, what? There you go. <sighs> Glory. Glorious. <laughs> I can't work. To, I can't wait to work with them again. And then I worked with Adam for a little bit. But that guy, he has so much style. He knows everything that's going on. Yeah, I am curious how some of that stuff happens because I feel like, you know, for some folks, and I've talked to other people, it's like they worked with a stylist for a bit, but they like almost graduate, you know, off of them. Like, I don't even know if that term would be correct, but like, yeah, like they're just like, oh, okay, I was just looking to kind of figure out more of what I like and this person helped me and now, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's gnarly. And so then how did you start working with Anderson Pack? Um, I started, I knew his, I met his, well, his then manager and he was like, well, I have this commercial coming up for him and we don't really have a stylist book. So do you want to do this commercial? And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I can do that. And I like you to dress the band. And I remember just thinking like, see, this is those, this is that moment again. Like you just have to come in and slay. So I just came in like it was a photo shoot and I just brought so many racks of clothes and so many great things. And he was just like, wow, this is a lot of clothes. Like somebody really focused and paid attention for me. Right, right. And I just kept like working super hard, like putting my head down and working. And he was just like, okay. And then we just really clicked and got along. And he eventually started letting me really lock in. Because at first, when you work with artists, you kind of have to, even if it's where their style is, maybe you don't want where you're like, this is not the right style. You kind of still have to kind of like, okay, this is not the right style, but what can I, how can I make this better? Yeah. Then you do that and then you go in and like, this is where I think you really should go. But you can't right. just do that from jump. They're like, especially a musician. They're like, Yeah, there's no. a lot of trust that needs it to happen. It's going to happen over time. You can't, you can't just no. walk in and change someone like that. Yeah, agreed. No, and that's also super disrespectful. Like, uh, it's my job is still a job of service. It's not, you know, I'm not a celebrity. So um, I'm not the talent. So then I just, I think we really started really making moves when we did his tour, his tour for his last album together. And that's when he was like full on trusting me where I was like, cause he was like, I just want to wear sets. I don't want to think about mm. what I'm going to have to wear when I go on stage. 
And he's more comfortable on stage. He's more comfortable probably now on the carpet, but he's still a musician in in his heart. And that's who he is. So stage is like where he really shines and that's where his full confidence is. So he's like, we're just going to have to take the carpet to the stage because that's this is who I am. Right. This is where I shine. So I'm like, we should make sets for you. But I was there was this great company I was working with, um, La Rocks. They do a lot of customs for almost every musician you can think of in Los Angeles, especially, or New York. And um, I was like, we need to, I want to make sets. And they were like, you know what we can do? You can make prints yourself and we can print it out on fabric. Hmm. And I was like, really? And they're like, yes. I'm like, oh, it's about to get crazy then. So <laughs> I made all these like mood boards of like, these are the kind of prints I want. These are the colors I want. This is what I think we should do. And we made, he made, they made all these sets from based off of the patterns that I created through these mood boards and color combinations. Whoa. And that way I was like, now you're really one of one because it's the fabric is not necessarily one of one unless you're creating the fabric. And this is the way we can create the fabric. So then he was like, yes. And he was getting all this great attention. And I think at that point, that's when it landed. Like, I'm this guy. This is the kind I wear sets. Like, this is what I do. And the band is, was, the band was very vibrant and monochromatic, but I put them in like the band. They, the band was so over me, but I'm like, everyone needs to be in blue. Everyone needs to be in yellow. Like, they're like, what? We do this every night. They were so over me. But if you look at it, it looks so amazing. And if you're way in the back of the, um, um, the arena you can see them and that's the point yeah so and he loved them that was great we got an article in id magazine because of it it was cool got some obama shout outs oh my god obama i know obsessed (laughs) yeah of course everybody loves that guy he's the best (laughs) so like Mm -hmm. as your you know your your career has evolved more do you see because there's like a, a few things I feel like that are also happening now where it's like there's this hybrid, if that's even a thing, of almost like gender fluid clothes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so Julia, who did um, who did Lakeith Stanfield's outfit, like, it's like, for I feel the, like... For the Oscars recently? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So number one outfit at the Oscars, number one, number one. Right? Yeah, so so... Yeah, I mean, and I've said Julia, it's Julie, I'm a fucking idiot. But like, yeah, yeah, like Julie, like she's, you know, also I feel like kind of like on that tip where a lot of people now are, not that like people are trying to make statements with their clothes, but like in general, when you wear clothes, you're making some form of a statement anyway, you know? And so like there's this new sort of like, I don't know, it's like this gender neutral fluid design thing. I mean, because it's also happening a ton with people like... um. Harry Styles and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, so like, what are your thoughts on that? Like how, I mean, do you see like other people starting to do that more or like, you know, like is Anderson Pac going to wear a dress someday? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I know. Well, he did have, this wasn't my styling. Before I came in, he wore a Rick Owen skirt on the carpet. So no, I love it. I'm into it. I like men taking risks like that, but it depends on the man. Let's be clear. Because the problem is, if it's not really your personality, you're going to look like an idiot, right? Like, Lakeith Stanfield, of course he's wearing that. Like, Lakeith is Lakeith. He's like an eccentric guy. And he's a, you know, a genius. Well, 
That's what everybody, right? We all are looking at him like this brilliant actor. And Harry Styles is literally, I mean, come on. Everybody wants to dress like the Rolling Stones, but they're not that guy. And Harry is that guy. So it makes sense. Harry is that guy. Like Mick Jagger, David Bowie, Harry really is that guy. So it's like, he can wear anything. Harry can do no wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you have to be that kind of guy. Or you just look like a pretentious fool. True. I think that's really well said, too, because I think there are people now who are trying to, like, make some bizarro statement with their clothes. And someone was like, who are you? Like, like, what do you mean, man? Just just wear the black suit. Just wear the tux, you know? Yeah. And let it be an evolution Mm. also, Mm. because... When you just come straight out with it, if that's not where you're at yet, you just, that's what I'm saying. You're just like a fool. Like, let's see the evolution of how you got to here. Yeah. You know, I I don't know what that's, yeah. And also it's really, Lakeith, like it's also actor, it's trickier with actors because actors dressing like musicians doesn't always play right. Mm, Very true. Right. The studios are looking at you and then you, you know, you want to look a certain way because there's Art parts, I'm sure, like him, you know, and directors looking at you, but you have to be a special kind of guy, like Lakeith, Johnny Depp, you know, Brad, Brad Pitt. I know, right? <laughs> Certain kind of guy. Certain kind of guy. Robert Downey Jr., even Robin Williams, duh, who's a who's a later goat. Now everybody sees that he's a fashion goat now. Yeah, you know what's been cool is his daughter. So has actually like commented on like stories about where, you know, the late Robin Williams had gotten some of his clothes and actually like spoke about it because people are like, yo, like, how is he wearing that? Like, where do you get this like Issey Miyake, you know, like, and his daughter like did some tweet thread ages ago and was like, this is where he got all these things. This is where he got into it. And because I really, cause, yeah, because like in the past, I think at the time, you know, with what media interviews were, people weren't really like, so why are you wearing that sort of stuff? And also when he did larger public appearances, you know, he wasn't, you know, I, I know there's that that night openings Instagram that had the photo of Robin Williams at the Flubber premiere and he just looked sick. And, but it's like, but that wasn't always, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need to look that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's good. Who are like some of the designers that you've been, that you've been into recently? Oh, I'm ready for you because this question always gets asked. And I am always like, it's like, you know what it is. But when someone asks you like, what's your top three favorite rappers? You're like, I don't even know, but you do know. So I wrote some notes. Um, so I can repair and make, and make sure I had some little, okay. Um, I love Wales Bonner, of course. Oh, the best. She does no wrong. Neither does Martine Rose. They do no wrong. I love it all. It's so great. And I would put like some uh, Wells on Anderson too. Right. It's so good. Like I love, and I love, um, there's this brand and it's a small brand, okay. but it's a wonderful brand. Ernest W. Baker, get into it. It's so good. Like it's so good. It's men's tailoring and like retro, but it's like really specific. Like I feel like the last lookbook they did, it was kind of a nod to kind of a serial killer vibe, mm. but so good. I'm not even, if you look up, you're going to be, you're going to be impressed. He's really great designer. This one is so good. Like it's, and he does a lot of like flared pants. I'm very into flared pants right now. 
I I love the like seventies vibes that are coming back. I mean, this it's, is the guy. Oh, okay. But if he does like late seventies, early eighties, which is a really special style time in my opinion that I reference a lot. It's just so good because it's like it's gr- it's gritty and it's just intense in a really specific way. That's what I think he captures. I love it. He's from Portugal. Um, I love, uh, of course, Dries. How can you not love Dries? Yeah, Dries. I feel like I you mean, can't like clothes and not and not like Dries. <laughs> yeah, especially men's clothes. Come on. Yeah, like the best. Um, I love. Uh, oh, Hater Ackerman, but specifically Hater Ackerman's first men's collection. Incredible. Oh wait, so was this the Whoa. stuff when it was like the heavyweight velvet hoodies? The stuff that like Kanye wore at the very, very early. That was maybe his second one, but it's still in that. Yes. Heavy okay. velvet and lots yeah. of uh, like, I want to say it's a silk kind of taffeta, like the crunchy fabric. Yes. yes. Jewel toned. Yes. I was buying that then for sure for Miguel. It was perfect. Yeah. Very like, kind of like piratey, like a pa- Parisian pirate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Loved. Pirate style, I feel like, is definitely a vibe I'm starting to see more. Where you're like, okay, there's like a silk sash as a as a bell. <laughs> All right. I'm into it. You know? Yeah. Like, I'm, um, I'm okay with the blouse. I know. For sure. I know. But again, a specific man is being able, it's able to wear that. A specific man. Um, um, yeah. And obviously, I ha- oh, I love Elder Statesman, too. I mean... And I, I love that now Tie-dye lots cashmere. and lots of people. So good. So Los Angeles. It is very LA. You're right. It is. But I love it. I really love it. And I love that like now, like New York. <sighs> Let me just also just take for a moment, take a pause where when I lived in New York, I would get thrashed. Oh, you're from LA. You're an LA girl. Oh, LA is. Now all these New Yorkers in Los Angeles right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Understanding why Los Angeles is amazing to live and adapting to the actual style. It makes me laugh. I'm like, remember when you used to make fun of me so hard? Like a lot of LA style hasn't changed. It's, it's always been this way, but I'm glad you figured it out. I love you still. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. All my New York friends live here now. Like almost all of them. Yeah, because there's space, better weather. You can, you know... You go to Erwan, you can still spend all your money. I mean, it's yeah. It's a vibe. Now they understand why we wear Vans all the time and flip flop. It's relaxed. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. But um, I also, how can you not love? Of course, um, Hedy Slimane, um, the the Saint Laurent years. I mean, what is better than that? Well, with all due respect, I believe that Saint Laurent is still hanging on those years, and that's no shots to them. They're just like, well, it's still working. <laughs> Let's keep yeah. It up. Yeah, it's not the same, but it's still working. Yeah. It's still it's yeah. I mean, ah, love it. I would be in that I would be in St. Laurent so much when that those collections, those early men's collections would drop cuz mm-hmm. at that time there was not a lot of like bold fashion for men at yes. that time. And I remember being like, okay, I want like this artist I work with to be in high-end clothes, but I don't want it to look like some stuffy 
It needs to be like sexy and bold and this and that. And we were making clothes before um, Hetty came up to St. Laurent. We would make a lot of like punk suits and this because it just wasn't there. Yeah. And then when he dropped, it was like, now it's on. We're buying all this stuff. We're getting crazy. And now it's like so many great choices for men's fashion. I love it. Yeah. I, um, (laughs) one of the things that like I've really been into more lately is like cowboy stuff. Like I bought cowboy boots and I got a cowboy belt. And maybe it's because I've like been going through my dad's wardrobe who was, you Uh know, born in Texas and stuff. But I'm just like, I want to be a cowboy. (laughs) Yeah. Put a little blazer as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the, that's the vibe. Like, especially like old, um, that was like workwear style shirts that were like heavy twill. Um, that's, you know, with like two pockets there, the, the, the collars were like pre-starched and longer. So they were like Mm -hmm. designed to be flat and worn on top of jackets. Yeah. I mean, there's like this sort of seventies vibe with the cowboy influence lately that I, I can't escape from. It's so good. Yes. You know, like there was this really great, um, like a couple months, I'm not, a couple, not, it was a couple months ago, maybe last year, or maybe yeah. it was. It's the all end been of last a blur year. quarantine. Yeah, yeah. but Lemare <laughs> made this beautiful brown, very 70s cowboy esque suit. Oh, okay. It was exactly what you're talking about. And it was like the perfect shade of brown, too, because it was a little bit faded. It definitely seemed like there could have been a little sheriff, you know. Right underneath that. French French great. people do cowboy really well. French they people do. do American cowboy really well. Yeah. French people do Los Angeles style really well. That's true. Again, Saint Laurent Hetty, all that is Los Angeles. Let's just keep it real. Yeah. I mean, well, everyone's also moving there and like even because I for a while, what was like Hetty was only showing in LA, right? He moved he, Sa- he moved Saint Laurent moves, to LA. He moved Saint Laurent to LA. Now yeah. he thinks LA is over, but whatever. I know, of course. He's an early adopter, so he's like, LA's over, everyone's moving here. <laughs> it's not over, but uh the style the style, yeah. I would just I'm like, this is all Los Angeles, all the surfers, all the skaters, all the underground little rock scenes. It's like LA boys. Yeah. Live at the Largo. <sighs> Yeah, I, I went to, he did his final show here. I went to that show at the Palladium. Oh, damn. Special. It was, that was a cool time. I really loved all that. Ugh. Oh, and also one more brand. I love Casablanca. Do you get into Casablanca? I don't know if I'm familiar. Get into it. It's good. It's like Monaco in like the 60s and the designer is Moroccan I believe. Oh, snap. Yeah, I just Sick. looked it up while we were t- That's really good. Damn it. Really good. Bold colors. Yeah. Really good. Beautiful. Really good. Beautiful clothing. Beautiful cl- It looks like a beautiful clothing right out of a great stylized 70s film. Yes. Yeah. Or 60s film. It's great. It's so good. A a lot of suits, I was getting very inspired by uh, for 70s suits for Anderson was um, Trouble Man. Mm. Trouble Man, it's black exploitation film. The suits are so correct. Like, they're super serious. Oh, damn. That's a good one to look at for, um, and color combinations too from that time. Films are the best. Yeah, the, the other one is any Jacques Demy movie. So like Umbrellas of Cherbourg, 
which uh, is, I mean, it's all in French, but I think um, it is late 60s French uh, in Cherbourg, right, in, in, in France, uh, but mm-hmm. the the wardrobe in there is very, like any Jacques Demy film, it's very bright colors because it's like they just started you know, doing more stuff, shooting in color film. And so they're like, well, mm-hmm. we're really going <laughs> to, we're going to show you how colorful it is, but it's phenomenal. Uh, and the, the love interest, the male is, um, I think he works at a gas station or like an auto repair thing. So he's also mm-hmm. got this like cool sort of French workwear mm-hmm. vibe that's in there. A- amazing clothes. Yeah. Catherine Deneuve. I mean, anything that she's in is going to be top tier. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, she was, she's a star. But I know I, I love that. You know, it's funny, too. And I mentioned that earlier, but Patrick Ravel, it's funny because I was like when I would work at opening ceremony, that was when he had his offices upstairs mm-hmm. and I'd be like, oh, his clothes are so great. He was so advanced. He was. His, I, yeah. Things are still people are still catching on now. And when he was doing those um, his line, then no, nothing looked like that. Nothing. No. I mean, nothing he was the like first that. person that was doing like. Tevas with washed 501s and yeah people are like Tevas yeah. and it's like and no socks. man socks he was way mm-hmm. advanced mm-hmm. with all the the clothes and all the like kind of bizarro styles and stuff that that are kind of happened but also the mm-hmm. fact that like you're making a lot of these things custom do you ever mm-hmm. see yourself moving into making clothes yourself like for the mass <sighs> i know everybody Everybody keeps asking me this. It's not even funny. And my now my clients ask me this. Just saying. They're like, where's the Jasmine Empire? Right. What are you going to be doing? You're going to be styling until you're 50. You need to be doing more. And I'm like, oh, my God. The thing is, it's like the problem is, is when you know too much. I think mm. I wish that I wish that someone taught me knowing too much actually is not that great. <laughs> <laughs> because when you know too much. It's like, how much do I know about the garment business? Like at this point, so much. So I'm going in my mind about all of the things and the hurdles and the blah, 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 blah. and it's like, do I want to dedicate my life to that? Yeah, and you like got to sink people? seven figures immediately and take massive losses for years if you're going to make your clothing company. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, is that what I want to do? I mean, I I like. I would do a clothing line if it was like some sort of a collaboration with a company that already existed because they already have everything. They've got the production. I'm just coming in and it's it's time to text Jerry Lorenzo. Here you go. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh my God. Jerry's the best. I've known him for a long time, but yes, it's just, you know, like I don't know if my uh, passion for that is on that level. Hmm. Fair. It's a whole other, I think that the hardest part of any sort of thing, when you have to make like a living or, and pay other people off of the thing that you love to do that in your mind you would do for free, it messes with your head. It's really hard to do. And I've, I've, that's my, my heart breaks for any designer where it's like, I love doing this, but I have to make all these decisions, which are going to compromise the art that I'm trying to create to make the living, to keep making the art. It's it's not easy. It's a fine line. It is an extremely fine line. line. It's a fine line that you're going to be haunted by. But also, this is my other thing. Do we need more clothing lines? No. We don't need any more clothing lines. (laughs) (laughs) 
There's too many clothing lines right now. This is an unpopular opinion. <laughs> there's too many clothing lines. I'm not kidding. I'm like, I love that everyone wants to have their go at being a designer. It's just like with music. Everybody thinks they're a musician now because mm-hmm. they can have a mixtape and a SoundCloud or whatever <laughs> the new SoundCloud is. It's like, do we need this many perspectives? Do we? Do we need this many? Like, do we need this new, like, perspective on this Tom Ford dress that inspired you from his collection from 1990? No, we don't. Mm. This is very unpopular, but I'm just saying. Well, because here's the thing, because I think some people hear that and they may say, like, are you telling me I shouldn't be creative? And it's like, no, 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 no. I don't think that's the case. I think what you're also speaking at, too, because I agree, is yeah. that, like, the the waste that's going to occur from it. Oh, no one's saying don't be kidding? an artist. And I no. think like, yeah, I, and I didn't hear that at all. But it's like, like the the amount of pollution, excess, waste, um, you know, it, just like the system itself. I think, sure, more stylists, great. Find ways to express yourself and help other people, you know, amplify who they are. Yes. But I do agree with you. I think there's some stuff out there. I don't know. Like, we didn't need this, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to even shout out any, because that's so mean. Sure. I don't want to break anyone's, like, dream. <laughs> but I'm just like, so I'm more in. I'm more interested in, I like to make customs for an artist who has influence on a big stage. Mm-hmm. That's what I like to do. Or, you know, in a film. Something like that. Which not then affects the like, people that are already making clothes. I mean, let's just be real. Exactly. Influencing those people. I like that instead of mass production. And that's not really anything I've ever been interested in. And it blows everyone's mind when I say this, but it's true. I just, it's so much. Speaking of that, there is an amazing, I'm very into clothing lines that are like this, though. There's this great brand in Los Angeles called Tigra Tigra. Mm -hmm. I'm familiar. Right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So what she does is amazing because it's very specialized, it's hand-loomed, and it's not about waste. Yeah. And it's, like, great. I just walked these really great, like, old, very old-world way and old-world fabrics to make these pants that I have that are, like, you know, and she probably only has made, like, 10, and they're all, like, I'm very into what's happening there and what's happening with recycled clothing. Yeah. Um, Very into that. Maurizio Zanotti, who's been on the pod before, uh, runs, I mean, he does a bunch of stuff. He, I think one's called like Transnomatica, but then he did a company called Atelier and Repairs, which was really, I mean, he just had like vintage warehouse filled with jeans. And so they just started repairing the jeans, patching them up and selling those. And, you know. In LA? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it's the rag factories. Uh, yeah, yep. exactly. And, you know, in tons mm-hmm. of just like beautiful classic um like military clothes that they just repaired and fixed up because like Mm -hmm. there's i feel like there's already enough and he had said it way better than i did but he's like there's basically enough clothes for every human being at the current growth rate for the next like 50 years without us making any more like we don't need to do that so it's like make clothes that you know or remake clothes that already exist you don't need to and plus you're gonna you know you'll help manufacture local you know, uh, seamstresses and stuff like that, which still exist. They're all over the place. You don't need to yeah. go to some factory that's going to pollute and not pay people a fair wage and no. mess up their water supply. <laughs> no. And I love that it's somebody who's taking vintage and repairing it versus this is something I don't like. This might be another unpopular opinion, but 
I'm filled with unpopular opinions, just to let you know. You're but fine. I have to get comfortable. I have to be comfortable with you to really no, <laughs> you're good. them. So I don't like when people take vintage and cut up vintage and make it into something new. I think that is lame mm. because I'm like, so you're taking the integrity of a design and recreating it half-assed because you don't have a full... In- that's how I look at it. That sounds... I don't know how that sounds, but so not that's repairing. how I look at it. Repairing is okay, but no. you're saying like... like creating something totally new is it the fabric or like the structure of it because i'm i'm interested like, in this it's both it's like maybe like taking a suit mm-hmm. and then like cutting an arm off cutting the arms off shortening it mm. maybe then s- seaming it and then being like this is a look this is recycled it's like you're actually doing what you shouldn't be doing in fashion like ruining the integrity of a design mm. okay that's how i look at it i i hear it, you i it, agree it's like are we cutting up that's like stealing knowledge from a book and re I don't know. That's how it feels like to me, like rewriting and saying it's your thought. It's oh, like, okay. Yeah. Like I'm, that's dicey, but I like the repairing of that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Putting some patches on some 501s and saying, go off there. I'm fine yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. There's integrity in that, but yeah. So yeah, no clothing line. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I have it in me. Well, that's okay. I mean, as long as you keep doing what you're doing, it sounds like yeah. everyone's going to be in pretty good shape. Yeah. Um, well, I want to thank you so much for your time. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, oh, yeah, it was totally fun. I hope I, I didn't bore you. Are you kidding? No, this was great. This was great. Okay. There's so many things I want to Google and look up as soon as we're done with this conversation. Oh, yay. Me too. Mm-hmm. But thank you so much. It was so good to meet you and chat with you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, bye. Okay, bye. You've been listening to Blamo. Our show is produced by Blamo Media. Theme music, as always, by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. You can find us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast. And if you can't stop and need all the hot content, join us on Patreon for tons of exclusive episodes, our private Slack group, merch hookups, and all the fun in the whole wide world. I'm Jeremy Kirkland. See you next week.